The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. In Healthcare Insight, what we try to do is take a look at the uh, health of the U.S. economy, the U.S. politics, uh, foreign uh, domestic policy, all sorts of issues on the inside of the politics of uh, the United States government. We're getting away from healthcare, uh, particularly because we're so far away from free market uh, health insurance that I've shifted the focus of this program until we get to the opportunity to talk about real health care reform. I want to talk about the politics and the politics around health care. And today I want to talk about two very important races that um, are up for this year in 2022. Not the um, House or the Senate. What I want to talk about is two governors. It's hard to imagine, but only uh, less than four years ago, we had two critical races that were razor thin in two dominant states in the southern part of the country, the state of Georgia and the state of Florida. Now, many of you listening are probably from the state of Florida since um, America's Web Radio is broadcast out of out of Georgia. But uh, Brian Kemp is the current governor, but it was a razor-thin victory only four years ago between uh, Governor Kemp and Stacey Abrams. Now, Stacey Abrams is a far-left radical Democrat who nearly won the state because of a lot of potential shenanigans that was going on around uh, voter collection, um, voter uh, identification of people who the Democrats can go out and and get these lockboxes and fill them up with uh, ballots from various people. But in any case, Brian Kemp won uh, by a slim margin. Now, that race is up again this year. It's going to be a repeat, and Brian Kemp is in a lot stronger position. Four years ago, uh, the um, the previous governor um, was termed out, and so Brian Kemp was a new, uh, a new figure running for an open seat. And so it's a lot more difficult to beat an incumbent when they actually have a record, and Brian Kemp has had an exemplary record. Um, and so he is ahead in the polls by a pretty good bit, but never count out. Stacey Abrams and the power of the minority population in the city of Atlanta in particular. Another state that's been uh, um, fun to follow in a lot of ways, because four years ago, Ron DeSantis, the current governor of Florida, was running against a guy named Andrew Gillum. And again, it was an open seat. And Andrew Gillum is an avowed Marxist who actually got uh, arrested ultimately after he lost the election in Miami um, for using drugs, and he was he was just a mess. And this year, Ron DeSantis is running again very strong, has a great popular record in the state of Florida. Uh, I live in Florida, and many of us call it the free state of Florida. So uh, what I want to focus on today is that governorship in Florida, because it is a bellwether state. It's got populations of young and old and business and retirees, a lot of tourism, it has low tax rates already. There's no state income tax, for example. And he is a likely candidate 
to be running as the Republican nominee in 2024 for the president. So there's going to be a lot of focus and attention on this race, and there's going to be a lot of money put in to try to minimize um, his victory, uh, assuming he has one, uh, kind of keep that victory uh, at a relatively low level. But he's a very popular governor, does a lot of very popular things in the state, and has handled himself very well in terms of keeping Florida as an open state when many others were closing down during the coronavirus. So I want to have an interview with um, uh, Governor DeSantis and talk about some of the policies and issues that he's implemented and why Florida has been so successful and what he's done in Florida to be so successful. So I want to ask him some questions, have some comments, and then I will uh, provide maybe some commentary uh, and backup for what he's saying since I live in the state and can give a little bit uh, different perspective, at least from a citizen and a voter. So, Governor DeSantis, um, welcome to the program. And I want to do this um, uh, uh, question and answer with you. So uh, tell me a little bit about Florida and the success that you've had so far over this first term, your first four years. And I'm happy to inform you, 2021, Florida set an all-time record for domestic tourism coming into our state. Those record numbers include a number of lockdown politicians who lock down their own people, restrict their own people, mandate governors, mayors, big TV hosts. They criticize Florida, and the first chance they get, what do they do? They escape to freedom in the state of Florida. Well, I can tell our audience, since I live here, that this really is and has been a free state. There's very uh, little masking over the past two years. The restaurants are open. The businesses are open. Uh, you go to the grocery store, and only a very few or handful of people are wearing masks, and they may have other health care issues that they're concerned about. So people are allowed to kind of do their own thing in this state. So, Governor, why do you think that, Uh, These people that you're talking about from other states, when they want a vacation, they come to the sunny uh, state of Florida, but they also come here because they can go to a restaurant and sit down and enjoy themselves. But give me your perspective on why these outsiders are actually coming to the state of Florida. And why do even these biggest critics and lockdowners come to Florida? Well, I think it's simple. From the very beginning, we refused to let this state descend into some type of Faucian dystopia. We protected people's rights. We protected people's jobs. We protected small businesses. And we made sure that every kid in the state of Florida had an opportunity to go to school in person. Governor, I know you've rejected a lot of the mandates that other states have implemented. And you've fought every step along the way about other government uh, mandates and restrictions that are put on at the federal level and as you see at other state levels. So tell us about what you've done beyond even the government uh, mandates that we've seen across the country. How have you, uh, for example, affected uh, businesses uh, in the way they've uh, been able to treat or not treat the uh, mandates that other states have implemented? And we not only reject it if it's government, We have done things like ban vaccine passports because it's unacceptable to simply subcontract out Fauciism to big companies. So we've stood for freedom across the board, and the result has been Florida has defeated Fauciism. 
Governor, one of the biggest issues that people faced across the country was getting our kids back to school and educated. And teachers' unions around the country were, um, you know, demanding kids uh, wear masks if they came to class. They were demanding that their retirement and pension uh, funds would be increased before they'd come back to school. They didn't want to come back to school because they were afraid that they were going to um, uh, come down with COVID. How did you deal with this most critical issue in the state of Florida? How did you deal with the educational issue and maintaining uh, open classrooms when most others in this country were closing them down? We led early on when the weight of the world was coming, bearing down on our shoulders. Everything we did, we were taking incoming. I remember the summer of 2020. We had the kids saying, you got to go have the kids in school. The teachers unions, they would put coffins outside the Department of Education building in Tallahassee. They sued me uh, to close the school, but we stood strong. Governor, that was a remarkable change from what the rest of the country was doing. What allowed you to sort of think along those lines. I know you've said in the past that you really followed the science when the science at the CDC was being politicized. You had very good advisors, but what was it about your interpretation, your decision-making that opened up the schools in Florida when most of the schools across the country were closed or hesitant about opening up, delayed, and our students were required to go Zoom across the rest of the country where you had in-class teaching, and that's so important to what's happened uh, to this next generation in the state of Florida. And part of the reason we stood strong is we understand uh, what it means to be a leader, not just be a politician that twists in the wind, but be willing to make the tough decisions. I look back at President Eisenhower's farewell address. Many of you remember it because he warned about the military-industrial complex. That was uh, smart. He was right. But if you read that speech, he also warned about the dangers of a rising scientific and technological elite. Government was funding more scientific research, and he said when that happens, there's a danger that public policy can be held captive by this scientific elite. And he said the job of the statesman is not to subcontract out your policy to health bureaucrats or other type of bureaucrats. The job of the statesman is to lead, to take all the interests in society and make sure you're doing what's in the public good. So, Governor, what I'm hearing you say is that leadership, insight, instinct, data, information was critical to your success and the success of the state of Florida. Why do you think other states didn't follow the model that um, you exercised or at least follow the lead of Florida as you were showing success. So, so many governors over the last two years would simply defer to health bureaucrats because it was a safe thing to do politically. If things went bad, they can say, hey, the bureaucrats told me I had to do this. Yeah, you lost your job. Sorry, your business is done. The kids are locked out of school, but they're telling me I have to do this. That is not what we did in Florida. And we did it when it wasn't popular. We did it when we were taking fire. And we did it because my duty is to stand up and protect the freedoms and the jobs of the people I represent. And if that puts me in political jeopardy, then so be it. So, Governor, you clearly took a different path, a very successful path in your governing of the state of Florida. 
What do you think is your obligation in some ways to be the example when no one else was really out there to take that incoming, knowing that in your heart, you knew what you were doing was right, but many other people were not. What was your obligation in sort of making the case for the type of leadership that you um, uh, exhibited? And we have an op- we have a responsibility to fight back on all fronts. People are coming to Florida because they want freedom. Even our critics are doing it. But I can tell you there's one fella that just hates Florida, and his name is Joe Biden. Always trying to take pot shots at Florida. He does things like take our medication. He stiffs storm victims of, of relief just because he doesn't like the governor. He doesn't like Florida, and he doesn't like me because we stand up. Governor, clearly the administration is targeting you because they see you as a real threat in 2024. What is your assessment of the Biden administration and what you would say are its failures. Here we called a special session to protect every Florida job from Biden's vax mandates, and we succeeded. We've sent people to the Texas border and are suing Biden over his catch and release policy. The weak on crime policies that is ravaging cities all across the country and what he supports, and we are standing against his reckless fiscal policies where they've printed trillions of dollars and now we have rampant Biden inflation. The inflation is because of his policies, and we're not going to let anyone forget that. So all told, he's had the worst first year of any president since the 1800s. Governor DeSantis, I think our audience can clearly hear the conflicts that are going to be developing between you and the Biden administration and the record of success that you have shown in the state of Florida, given your leadership. Let's take a quick commercial break, and I want to come back with this discussion with uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio, live every Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today we are focusing on Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. He is up for re-election. And you never know what's going to happen, but he is clearly leading his Democratic opponent by a substantial amount, much more than the election uh, four years ago, where he was going against a uh, Democrat uh, by the name of Andrew Gillum. And Andrew Gillum was an avowed Marxist, and many of his writings were very much uh, extreme progressive socialists slash Marxist in their nature. And he won by a slim margin, thank goodness. He has been a truly 
a great Republican conservative governor of the state of Florida who has handled the COVID crisis. Unlike anybody else in this country, he has kept the state of Florida open. Uh, I live in the state of Florida, and there really has been no major deal with uh, mandates, with um, masking, with uh, keeping our kids out of school. It's been truly remarkable. He's done almost the opposite of what anything Washington came out with in trying to restrict uh, the education or the economics of this country. He's done the opposite. So he's up for um, re-election. Doesn't look like it's going to be a major problem for him at this point, but a lot of money is going to flow into the state because he's also a major candidate for the Republican nomination for president in 2024. His remarkable record in Florida will stand up to any other state across the country, both in the way he handled the COVID crisis, how business continued, but people are moving here, business is booming, it's a no-income tax state. He has done all sorts of changes to this state uh, to get rid of some of the the liberal um, bureaucracy, the liberal judges that were in place when he took over. So the state has remarkably moved towards a Republican control in the House and the Senate, the governorship, and even the electorate moving here. Uh, if they're coming from a blue state, they seem to be converting over to Republicans because they see how bad uh, the states were that they came from, and they're moving to Florida for the openness and the freedoms that they're finding here. So I want to go back to uh, Governor DeSantis, and much of this is a presentation that he made in 2022 at the CPAC, or the Conservative Political Action Committee presentation, that was held in the state of Florida. And I want to pick out pieces of that presentation and ask the leading question to focus on what he's really saying, give our audience a chance to sort of really absorb the reason he's saying things and why he's saying things and what he's saying, and then provide some commentary uh, around those issues that he has addressed in the state of Florida to make it such a great and wonderful place to live. And as Biden flounders, Florida is leading on issue after issue. We have the largest budget surplus and the lowest per capita tax burden in the entire United States. When I became governor, Florida had the most liberal state Supreme Court in the country. I've replaced three liberal justices. We've banned sanctuary cities in the state of Florida. And we are in the process of getting money from the legislature so that if Biden is dumping illegal aliens into Florida from the southern border, I'm rerouting them to Delaware. Governor, another big issue that seems to be what some would even say today's civil rights um, issue, the major civil rights issue of our day, is school choice of expanding opportunities for kids to go to something other than the public school or within the public school system, have charter schools, magnet schools, STEM schools, but get away from this idea of Schools in your neighborhood are the only options that you have because in too many major cities across this country, and even in Florida, um, you have kids locked into very poor schools. Now, I know you've had other programs to try to address and allow for some of this flexibility, but tell this audience specifically what you've done more recently about school choice. Florida leads the nation in school choice, and we have liberated 
hundreds of thousands of young kids who are living in poverty to get an education and make the most of life's opportunity. So as you said, Governor, and I can verify because I've got three grandkids in school here in Florida that you have stood up for school choice, for helping the children get their education to stay in the classroom uh, throughout the COVID period when many were shut down. But, you know, another major issue that's in the news these days is around the uh, transgender activities in sports, that you have an unfair uh, playing field between men who are converting over to women and they still have the physical strengths or attributes of men, and it makes it difficult for women to compete in sports. So how are you standing up for women which, quite honestly, many women's groups in this country seem to be very silent about this attack on women in sports. We in Florida were one of the first states to stand up and protect women's athletics. And Governor DeSantis, I know another issue that you have attacked very effectively is the idea that big tech in the last election was doing an awful lot to help the Democratic Party, the conservative movement was kind of put down and put in the back uh, burner if you did any kind of search on Google and the time and effort that the uh, censoring went into uh, helping to support the progressive candidates and being really another uh, political donation, if you will, to the Democratic Party. And then the idea of um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg really putting in money in the state of Florida and other areas to try to influence uh, voting through um, his activities on Facebook and his actual donations to various political action committees. What have you done about big tech uh, in Florida? Because it is a big national issue that's probably going to come up in your election in 2022 and the potential presidential election in 2024. We were the first big state to legislate against big tech censorship because they want to silence us. They want to deplatform us. And we cannot have a free society if most of the speech in this country is controlled by a handful of left-wing oligarchs in Silicon Valley. Governor, as you well know, and our audience witnessed night after night during much of the last two years, uh, major cities of Portland and Chicago and Seattle and San Francisco being torn up with rioters and violence in the street, that we have many of these district attorneys that are not prosecuting, or you have laws in in California that say you can steal whatever you want, you're not going to be uh, prosecuted uh, for anything much more than a misdemeanor if you steal less than $950 from any store, and then they're so overwhelmed that they won't even prosecute misdemeanors, which means you have these crazy people coming into stores that are just grabbing stuff off the shelf with impunity. And nothing is done except many of the stores are now being closed. I think Walgreens has closed 17 stores in San Francisco, and it's happening across the country. So how have you dealt with that in Florida uh, to create a different environment, a different mentality, a different psychology around uh, crime and protecting the victims of crime and not coddling uh, the perpetrators of crime. We are a law and order state in the state of Florida. We reject Soros-funded prosecutors. After the 2020 summer riots, we called up the National Guard here immediately. We had law enforcement. We said we are not letting 
Florida cities burned down and we didn't. But we've also since then signed the strongest anti-rioting legislation in the country. We will not let local governments defund the men and women of law enforcement and put their citizens at risk. And if you riot in the state of Florida, if you loot, if you are engaged in mob violence, this is not going to be like Portland, where they arrest you, take your mugshot, slap you on the wrist, and put you right back on the street to do it again. No, in Florida, you're not getting a slap on the wrist. You are getting the inside of a jail cell. Governor, you have done so much in all these different areas that are of national importance, but you've basically taken the state of Florida and governed it uh, with all the national issues, and you've been able to address them as a very strong leader, a governor in this state to deal with national issues. If only you could take some of those issues uh, to the national level, I think the whole country would benefit enormously, and maybe that's in the cards for 2024. We'll see how all that develops. But let me continue to talk about some of the national issues and how you've addressed it, because I think this is so important for our audience to understand and and politicians that may be listening in, even governors from other states or elected officials, to understand how Florida has dealt with some of these critical issues that have been uh, front and center in the news. Let's take one more. What have you done about the critical race theory, the CRT issues in the state of Florida? Because we will not spend taxpayer money to teach our kids to hate our country or to hate each other, we have banned CRT. Instead, we have the most robust civics education anywhere in the country. We're going to have citizenship exams for graduating seniors, and we're giving teachers the opportunity to go through a civics boot camp and get a $3,000 bonus. Well, Governor, let's give you a chance to address the other major issue around elections, and that is what happens in the state of Florida and in election integrity, and what did you do to assure that the next election uh, has the kind of integrity that every state should have, and explain maybe what happened in 2020 or 2019 when you came into office to assure that that's always going to be the case in Florida, because People do look at Florida as a bellwether state. We've got a mixture of demographics and and, and geographic issues across the state. Um, what have you done around uh, election integrity? Florida has done more than any other state in the country to ensure the integrity of our elections. One of the first things I did when I became governor back in 2019, when people weren't talking about election integrity, was accept the resignation of the Broward County Supervisor of Election. We counted 99% of the ballots by midnight on election night. It was transparent. It was fair. We did a good job. But we also understood there were a lot of shenanigans in other parts of the country. So last year, I signed legislation banning ballot harvesting and mail balloting, unsolicited mail ballots in the state of Florida. And maybe most important, we have banned Zuckerbucks. I'm not going to let a tech titan commandeer the machinery of our elections by pouring hundreds of millions of dollars in for partisan purposes. That will not happen in the state of Florida, and we are doing even more this year. So, Governor, it's truly an impressive record that you have touched on so many of the topics of national interest and found a solution at the state level, which is what this country is supposed to be about, that people at the state level can elect officials that can improve the status of that state, even if the federal government is not doing 
some of the things we would like to see done across the country, that we still have states' rights. We still have the Tenth Amendment that says those things that are not assigned to the federal government are really assigned to the states. And I know that has been expanded and states have not had the ability to do what they want to do in many cases, but it also shows that it could be just a leadership issue and you have shown the way with leadership. Well, I want to come back. I want to wrap up this discussion because I don't think many people heard the uh, CPAC presentation that you made. And I want to highlight more of the issues of what Florida has done that could be part of our national dialogue in 2024. So audience, stay tuned for this impressive record of the state of Florida from a man who is likely to be, hopefully, from my perspective, the next president of the United States. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. Welcome back to this segment of America's Web Radio. Today, we are really focusing on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Why? Because he's one of two governors I think it's really important to look at this year. The other one is... Brian Kemp in Georgia. And we'll do a segment on Brian Kemp in future weeks. But today we want to focus on Governor Ron DeSantis because he won a very narrow victory four years ago. And thank goodness he did because his opponent was ultimately found in a Miami apartment hotel with drugs He was an avowed Marxist to begin with. And so we in Florida, and I include myself because I live in the panhandle of Florida, we're lucky enough that Ron DeSantis actually won. He has been a great governor doing all sorts of things that we've already touched on in the last two segments. He's taken national issues and brought them home to a state, and we've addressed them here in Florida He's put in legislation. The Republican legislature has worked with him closely to pass legislation that improved education, improved the security of voting in the state, has changed the judicial system uh, to be more conservative. He's worked throughout to try to eliminate the idea of teaching kids to hate each other through critical race theory. Um, He's champion of women who are real women to compete in their sports and not have transgender men come over and dominate in the sport. We've heard so many different ways that he has helped with the educational system, with women's issues, with election issues, with tax issues, all the way across the board. And so I want to go back uh, to Governor DeSantis. I want to ask him about, with all this great 
policy and all this great record that he's had. We know people go to Florida for vacations, uh, but during COVID, it's been very difficult for many people to get out. But I can tell you, being in a vacation town myself as a permanent resident, we have seen a tremendous influx of people being able to drive from Louisiana, from Texas, and come down from the Midwest, still trying to get away from COVID and the restrictions of some of those states that they are coming from. So Florida, with the freedoms that's been allowed, it's been absolutely amazing that we haven't had problems with COVID since we have so many people coming in from all around the country that theoretically could be bringing the virus, but that hasn't happened. And we go to grocery stores, don't wear masks. We go to movie theaters, don't wear masks. Our kids go to school, don't wear masks. It's an amazingly different. When people come down here, they say, this is like a different country. And it really is the way it's been handled. Uh, the early COVID cases, uh, focus was on the elderly and those people with uh, comorbidities. And that proved to be extremely successful. Isolate it there and let people know that they have a choice. They can stay home and cocoon if they've got problems. But if they're young and healthy, they can go out. So restaurants have been open. Condos have been renting all sorts of activities that have really made this uh, an important part of the country to show how things could be done in a very different way. So let me go back to Governor DeSantis and say, tell me about the people who are coming to Florida. Is it just because of the tourism or are there other reasons? Now, people are coming to Florida, yes, to visit, but also just picking up and moving. We have led the nation in net in-migration since COVID started. Well, Governor, people have been coming to Florida for decades because Florida has been adding new representatives as it's always had a high growth rate. So um, what is the reason for people moving down here? A lot of I know retirees try to come down here because of, of low tax rates. What are some of the other reasons maybe that... Uh, people are moving down here uh, post-COVID. But I can tell you, this is not just because we have lower taxes, because we've always had lower taxes. These are people who are fleeing leftist governments in this country and even around the world. People will sometimes ask me, Governor, all these people are moving here from blue states. Are they just going to vote the same way and make our state a blue state basket case like the states they came from? Well, when I got elected governor in 2018, there were almost 300,000 more registered Democrats in the state of Florida than Republicans. And Florida has never had more registered Republicans and Democrats in our history of our state today. There are 82,000 more Republicans registered. There are people that look to Florida as the citadel of freedom who are chafing under authoritarian rule all across the world. Governor, I live in the Panhandle, and I see that movement from people all across the world moving into Florida for the freedoms that you provide. Um, we see people from Romania, from Moldova, from Austria from Australia, from England. I mean, it's quite a mixture, a diverse mixture of population and cultures that are going through what we used to call the melting pot of America. That's truly what's happening in Florida, that it's all working together. And maybe it's also because, especially in my part of the state, um, it's very heavily military with the Eglin Air Force Base, the Hurlbird, and, and others here 
that you get experiences from around the world. You get retirees from the military realizing the quality of life is so great in this part of the state, in this part of the country, being in Florida, that they want to retire down here. They may not be of traditional retirement age above age 65. They may be retiring from the military uh, in their mid-40s or less. So this is a very desirable environment that you've created. And I wonder if you can give an example or so of somebody maybe that um, you can tell us about that has had that experience from a foreign country and what their comments have been about the freedoms that are available in Florida. I recently got a letter from Samuel from Australia, and he said, quote, there isn't much hope right now here, and many of us are fearful of what our leaders have in store for us. I look to you and your great state of Florida for hope during this dark time. Thank you for standing up for us. And we have done that. Canadians are writing in, Australia, Europe, you name it. Uh, and I think they understand what the stakes are, and they look to us of what protecting freedoms a lot means. And Well, Governor, I certainly understand the people writing to you from Australia and Canada. It seems as though they've got such authoritarian leadership these days in what we used to think of as as real democracies. But you've got Trudeau, who's clamping down uh, almost as bad as communist China leadership when they're taking away bank accounts from somebody who contributes to a cause that they don't like. Or in Australia, where they are actually taking people and putting them in camps if they don't comply with COVID regulations. I mean, we can see from the experience what's happening in other countries how politicians can grab onto power and they won't let go and they will prosecute to the full extent that they can whatever they want to advance their own ideology. You know, years ago, when I spent an awful lot of time working with politicians, I used to always say that politicians in Washington, D.C. were all about money and power. But I can tell you in more recent years, the money is so overflowing that that's not so much the issue anymore. Politicians can get money from all sorts of special interest groups and political action committees. Today, it's all about power. What can they do to control other people? What can they do to control the population? What can they do to see how compliant people are with whatever crazy rules or regulations they put in? You know, I was brought up in an environment with, with my parents to challenge authorities. I thought that the media, for example, was always to speak truth to power so that you could look at bureaucracies and politicians that stepped over the line and question their ability and authority to actually do that. But today, too many people seem to be compliant with whatever the federal government says. So I want to um, change a little bit of the course here. And given that you're not allowed to speak out anymore. You get this cancel culture that's going on. What is it that you think the opposition, the left, is really trying to do to stop and prevent the kind of success that you're showing is available and possible in the state of Florida? I think about what the left's trying to do. I got into politics about 10 years ago. I ran for Congress. I had never been involved. And my mission was largely to stop Barack Obama, who was president at the time. I, I even wrote a book, which was read by about a dozen people, that 
talked about some of the problems, how it was not consistent with the values that the country was founded on. And I stand by that. Those were good fights, important fights. But I got to tell you, I look back at that time, it almost seems a little quaint to me because the threats we face to freedom, the threats we face to a just society are much more pervasive than they were just 10 years ago. So, Governor, you say we're facing more difficult times than even what we were facing 10 years ago under President Obama. And that was why you got into politics. Well, today we have this Obama 2.0, if you will, with Joe Biden, who was the vice president under Obama, now being the president. And the same people that were around Obama seem to be involved with this administration, setting up the rules and regulations and presidential orders and um, all sorts of nominations for crazy, wild, um, progressive, far-left people to the uh, judiciary, to bureaucratic positions, to rulemaking positions. All that's going on today. So what do you think is even more extreme than what I've described? What is it that the progressive left Democratic Party uh, is really trying to do with the power that they have or the power that they might get if the 2022 elections don't turn out the way many of us hope they would, that we can put a break on this far-left movement towards Marxism. What is your thinking about what the Democratic Party really wants to do? I mean, think of what the left wants to do. What are their political aims? If they had just elected a couple more U.S. senators, they were going to pack the U.S. Supreme Court. They were going to make D.C. a state so they'd have two radical left-wing Democrat senators for life. They were going to abolish the Electoral College so California could elect the president, and they wanted to federalize fraudulent ballot practices. Now, say what you want about that. That is not an agenda that very many American families are sitting across the dinner table from each other saying, oh man, I wish we could make D.C. a state or I wish we could pack the Supreme Court. You know, Governor, I think it's absolutely amazing how you have hit on nearly every topic of concern of conservatives like myself and have taken real action to try to stop that from infiltrating the state in which I live and which many other people want to live or are moving here uh, to be able to live in the kind of freedom and opportunities that you've allowed to create in the state with the work of a Republican legislature. So I think we can also see why there's a large movement uh, on the political side to get you to win the governorship this uh, this year and then to consider seriously uh, taking the Florida model uh, to Washington, D.C. and to the White House. Well, I hope this is of interest to our listeners. We've got one more segment to go. Uh, stay with us and we'll hear more from Governor Ron DeSantis. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio, live every Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio for our final segment uh, this week. And today we are really delving into the actions and philosophy and governing model of Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. And we're doing that for two main reasons. First of all, he is up for re-election in November of 2022. And he's got a stellar record as a resident of Florida. I can tell you that we have been describing our living in Florida as living in the free state of Florida. We have had so few restrictions on ourselves, on our activities, on going to restaurants or movies or going into grocery stores, our kids going to school without masks. It's just a remarkable difference in the way the COVID issues and the economic issues have been handled in the state of Florida. The second issue is why we want to focus on Governor Santos today. And I really hope that the listeners of this program, the listeners of the podcast, understand that this is a man whose political philosophy has improved the lives of the people in the state in spite of the headwinds that he faces and having to sue Washington, D.C. in order to get the things done in many cases that he wanted to get done. He had to fight things, that are the social issues, the, the political issues, the economic issues, and he's been very successful in that. Now, the Democrats seem to want to focus on Issues that are like the abortion issue, where they're, they make outrageous claims that's going to make abortion illegal. Well, it just goes to the states and the people. The states will vote. Some states like New York and California and many of the blue states will vote to expand um, abortion rights over and above what Roe v. Wade has. The Democrats seem to want to focus on January 6th insurrection, as they call it. The Democrats want to focus on all sorts of issues that can be divisive issues in this country, uh, gun control because of recent mass shootings. They don't want to talk about the mass shootings that happen every weekend in Baltimore and Chicago and Los Angeles. They don't want to talk about the issues of the district attorneys that are releasing criminals into the public without any real prosecution or the no-bail situation in these cities, which lets people just turn around. They don't want to talk about the crime wave that's going on in every city in this country of any size. Those are the issues that seem to be important to the Democrats. And Ron DeSantis is the most likely candidate right now to run for president of the United States because he's focusing on the issues that people really care about, the things that affect their lives, and he's doing it from the state level. Are there some things that he could do massively at the federal level if he was president? Of course there are. There are, there are things like the um, energy independence. We can get back to being energy independent. We can do things uh, with national policy that um, get back to more of the Trump uh, era administration. And the beauty about Ron DeSantis is that in my opinion, he would bring all the Trump policies into play without both the mean tweets that uh, Trump um, uh, exhibited, which many times seem to be punching down to people below him uh, unnecessarily. And hatred is a very powerful force. And rightly or wrongly, the media has created a level of hatred in this country against Donald Trump. I hope that Donald Trump 
winds up being sort of the, the senior um, strategist, the guru, the, the wisdom uh, person of the Republican Party, that he can really help bring in a new generation of Trumpsters, if you will, people who would follow the Trump policy and recognize that Trump has totally changed the Republican Party from a party of the um, country club elite, if you will, as though it used to be characterized for many years, into a party of blue-collar mid-America policies that um, recognize the value and the importance and the respect for middle class and struggling families. Uh, Democrats have ignored those. Now, many people think the Democratic Party, who used to be uh, sort of focused in that way, still is, but it's not. They don't care about people at the bottom. Uh, inflation hits them the worst uh, than anybody else. All the all the shortages and high costs are really affecting uh, the lower and middle income uh, families, and that's the party of the re- that's the constituents of the Republican Party these days, where the Democrats are the um, uh, the the higher income, the uh, the technology companies, the technology workers. That's their base. So let me get back to uh, Governor DeSantis for this last segment and say these social issues that Democrats try to use as as um, uh, dividing issue, as wedge issues, is that what the American public is really interested in? No, that's not what people have on their mind. They're concerned about gas prices, crime, the border, all the disorder around the world. That's what they're concerned about. They're doing that, though. The left wants to do that because their goal is not to make our country great. It's to marginalize the conservative half of the country. They want us to be powerless. They want us to be voiceless. They want us to be second-class citizen. And what are these ideological aims? The woke is the new religion of the left. And this is what they have in mind. That's why they want CRT, because they want to divide the country. That's why they remove statues of Thomas Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt. Take George Washington's name off schools because they want to erase that history. They want to delegitimize our founding institutions. And they want to replace that with their left-wing ideology as the foundational principles of our modern-day society. Wokeism is a form of cultural Marxism. You know, Governor, some people used to think, at least not that long ago, it seems, that the Republican and Democratic Party were moving in a little bit the opposite direction. One wanted bigger government, one wanted smaller government, but neither one wanted a major transformation of the government, which is what we sort of have heard over the last couple of elections, especially of the Democrats. So is it just about as it used to be more taxes for the Democrats and less taxes uh, for the Republicans? Is that what the debate is going to get back to in some ways? It is not just about raising taxes or bad economic policy. It's about tearing at the fabric of our society and trying to replace it with something that will be much, much more sinister. Well, Governor DeSantis, that's a pretty serious charge and sort of a very dark uh, outlook on what the Demo- Democratic Party has become. 
Um, can you give a little bit more detail as to why you think this is so sinister? And the problem that we face as conservatives is a lot of major institutions in our country have become infected with this woke virus. You look at academia. Do we even need to discuss that? Their main objective now is to impose an ideological worldview on the people that come through their universities. You look at corporate America. They're mentioning it. They're opposing voter ID. Many of them make a lot of money from Chinese slave labor, but they don't want voter ID in the United States. So they are engaging in woke activism. You look at our bureaucracy and how totally off the rails they have become in many different agencies. And it's not just limited to people like Fauci. You have it across the board where this has become a major behemoth. Well, Governor, you make good points. Um... President Trump used to talk about the fake media, and we've all seen the lies and distortions in the media. So what is your feeling and how do you describe the media environment in this country and how uh, it is changing and educating people with misinformation and distortion and lies? And yet they never seem to um, apologize for the lies once the lies are exposed or even change their direction. They just seem to be working in cahoots with uh, the progressive liberal uh, Democratic Party. You look at the corrupt and dishonest legacy media in this country and what they're doing to divide us and what they're doing to prop up the regime. They are not in the business of telling the truth. They're in the business of spinning partisan narratives to be able to benefit their side. They don't speak truth to power. They're defending the regime in power. And if you speak up, they come after you. They'll smear you. They'll defame you. All they do day after day is concoct a blizzard of lies to try to deceive the American people. And make no mistake, that's going to intensify leading up to November. They're going to try to think, do anything they can to relieve the blame off Biden and to try to fool the American people into keeping Democrats in office. We're not going to let them do it, but that's what we're facing. Well, Governor, we know what the Democrats are trying to do with their woke ideology that's infiltrated, like you said, academia and business and entertainment and even sports. So how do we move forward? What else is there that we need to be well aware of in this developing wokeism that goes on and the interest in censoring uh, conservative thought? And then maybe to top it off, you have big tech. Big tech is now the number one institution for censorship in this country. They are working with the legacy media. They're working with the Biden regime to try to marginalize conservative voices. Anyone that dissents from their orthodoxy is a target. And so this is significant stuff. This is freedom that's being on all different fronts that's coming under assault. And so here's where we're at. When you have a society that's veering away from the truth, Anybody that stands up and speaks the truth will come under fire. That is going to happen. Well, Governor Ron DeSantis, you have hit all the right bells, checked all the right marks for a conservative uh, governing philosophy, uh, and not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. You've clearly done so many things in the state of Florida, and I hope listeners out there to this podcast We'll give you a fair hearing and measure what you have done and what you have said and what you could do with that same philosophy at the national level and look at your potential candidacy for 2024. But to the extent that they can also help you 
2022, I would encourage people to look at the Florida governor's race and be sure that Governor DeSantis is reelected. Uh, so, Governor, can you wrap us up a little bit and tell us um, about the courage that you think it takes to fight the way you've been fighting, to fight the good fight? Tell us about your general philosophy and what you see going on in this country and how we can best fight it as conservatives. And so in times like these, there is no substitute for courage. Having the courage to stand up against things like cancel culture, having the courage to reject corporate media narratives, having the courage to take on institutions like big tech, having the courage to stand in the way of the Brandon administration. Opportunity to make 2022 the year that America fought back. We're going to lead the charge here in Florida, but we need people all over the country to be willing to put on that full armor of God, to stand firm against the left schemes. You'll be met with flaming arrows, but the shield of faith will stop them. You will emerge victorious. And so I can tell you this in Florida, we will be standing our ground. We'll be holding that line. We are not going to back down. We've accomplished more in this state than anyone thought possible. But I can tell you this, we have only begun to fight. Well, audience, there you have it for this week. A new generation of conservatives, young, healthy, vibrant, active, following the America first, the America freedom approach, uh, basically a Donald Trump without the personality uh, flaws or at least what people perceive as his flaws, that the other side is probably going to come after uh, Ron DeSantis just as strongly, but I don't think he is susceptible. And I think it'd be great for conservatives to have a new generation of leaders and I know that if Ron DeSantis was nominated, that his vice presidential candidate will be just as conservative, just as bold, just as courageous as he is. So I look forward to the elections for those political uh, junkies out there like myself. I look forward to the next uh, year or two uh, in this um, race leading up to 2022 and ultimately to 2024. Join us again next week and we'll talk more politics. Thank you. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.